So welcome everyone today to Psalms Through the Eyes of the Living Letters. And uh, today we're going to be going over Psalm 119, verses 81 through 88. Now, as you guys well know, for those of you that have been with us for a while, or if maybe this is your first video, then uh, what we've been doing is going through Psalm 119. And uh, Psalm 119 is broken down into each one of the 22 Hebrew living letters, and there are eight verses each. And so Psalm 119 is about 176 verses long. And uh, each eight verses speak of a different aspect of the living letter. Well, right now, we are on the living letter cough. Verses 81 through 80, 88 are about the living letter cough. Now, I love this letter because it, it begins to express not only the hand of God and the palm, the palms of his hand. Y'all remember the scripture where it talks about that we are engraved on the palms of his hand, but it begins to speak about much, much more than that. I know when father began to teach me about the living letter cough, one of the things that he showed me about it had to do with a mirror. And I know it's like, what? Palms of your hand in a mirror? But it, it does. If you if you follow me out, you'll you'll understand what I'm talking about. Because I began to think about Gideon's 300 and the ones that were chosen. See, the ones that were chosen were the ones that dipped their hands in the water and drank from it. Well, I love to fish. I love the water. I love being around the water. And so I was, uh, I, every time I've ever been to the water, the first thing that you notice is when you look down into the water, you immediately see your reflection in, in the water. So if it's a real clear and it's and it's very calm, it's almost a perfect reflection. And if it's, it's got little ripples in it, of course, you're going to see a little ripples, but you, you can still see your reflection in that, in that, uh, in the, in the water itself. And so Father began to speak to me about that because I went back to Gideon and began to, to dig into that and find out, okay, what does that mean? You know, when, I, when I'm thinking about it from this perspective, how does that mean? Why did you choose those out of the, out of the group of, of, of men that were fighting the, the Midianites? Why did you choose those 300? What was the, the detail behind it? Because I remember hearing the uh, the, the, there was an old religious way of seeing it, and I'm not going to say that it's wrong, so I, maybe I need to be a little bit careful about the way that I, I say that, because there is a, a part of that that I believe is true, and in certain circumstances, that indeed is true. And that was how many have said that the way, the reason why the 300 were chosen was because they were looking out for the enemy. They were drinking from their hands, and they, keep, they kept their eyes peeled for the enemy. And okay, there are times that we need to do that and be and be and be mindful of the things that are going on. But Father was taking me into something that was deeper than that, or different than that. Maybe that's a better word to use. Different than that, because I began to think about the process of well, I, if I pull up the water and I, I begin to look into the water before I drink it, you know, because I'm going to look at the water to make sure there's not anything in there, you know, because I'm I'm digging up, up out of a out of a, a pond or a lake. I'm going to look at it real quick. And of course, I'm going to see my reflection. But what I'm going to see is my immediate reflection of who I am right at this moment. And, and, but I heard the father say, look deeper. And so when I did, I started to look and I could see the palms of his hands through, or the palms of my hands through the, through the, the, um, through the water. 
And I began to remember, what does the water represent in Scripture? It represents his word. And then I saw my name, my name engraved on the palm of his hand. And I, I heard him say this. He said, you know, you may see the immediate reflection of who you are right now in this moment. But I want you to look into my word because what you see on the palm of my hand is who I see you to be. And I want you to see yourself the way that I see you. And so I realized that that cough began to express something even deeper still. So bearing that in mind, well, I want to continue on with, with today because the Lord's, like I said, has really been messing with me a lot about this, this living letter cough. I'm going to read through all eight verses, then I'm going to go back and begin to dig into this a little bit. But it really, for me, I don't know about you guys, but for me, I've, I've mentioned over the last couple of weeks where it seems as if things have been a little bit more of a challenge, all right? Especially over the last, say, really, it's been about a month for me. And uh, and that's a, that's a little unusual. It's not that I it's not that the Lord's not there. It's not that that I'm not in His presence or anything like that. As a matter of fact, I've become I've come to realize that there are times that the Lord takes me through, and there are patterns of the way He walks me through my relationship with Him. And sometimes there are times of this beautiful revelation, and and or deep deep revelation where I just almost get to the point where I can't handle it anymore. And uh, and and I I really want to grab a hold, and there's just all kinds of things going on in my mind. And then there's a time where he allows me an opportunity. Now I've asked him for this opportunity, so so don't get me wrong. I've asked him for this opportunity to be able to take those things that he said and then begin to put them into practice. So he gives me an opportunity where that slows down a little bit. And I and he he'll walk me through a situation where I can begin to engage into those things that he's just taught me. One of the things here recently has been about praying and meditating and meditating on his word and meditating on wisdom. And and every day when I when I have my opportunity to do that, I'll meditate in the place of, of his wisdom. And and it and it's really begin to open up some things. But you know, of course, it's not it's not like a, a big, deep revelation every single day. And I, I don't know about you, but I'm thankful for that. I really am. Because, again, I don't want to learn something just to know it. Knowledge is important, but understanding is even deeper. Because when I begin to understand it, then I begin to be able to make it a part of who I am. And out of the abundance of my heart, my mouth will speak. So I'm taking those words, putting them into me, and then allowing that to be able to take hold so that my words are reflective of what I see at the bottom of the water in the palms of his hands. Does that make sense? So I'm thankful for this place, but I've, I've noticed that there's, there's been this place that the Father has, has given me of, of yearning. And and uh, I had been reading this for a couple of weeks now, and uh, and was getting prepared for this. But of course, I had all of last week to be able to dig into this even more. So be thankful because I've had a whole extra week to be to be digging into 
to this particular one, and I'm thankful for it. But it, <laughs> it's been beautiful. Uh, but it really began to to kind of click in over this past weekend, as we were talking about before the class started. That I was mentioning to you that we had just left the union conference uh, back in Orlando, Florida, this past week, and and it was an absolutely beautiful uh, conference and a great time of being able to connect with a lot of folks, and and a great time with the Lord. Uh, but at the same time, that there there was a physical exhaustion at the end of it all because there was a lot of busyness, a lot of stuff going on. But I'm so thankful for it. Thank you, Father, that you give rest. As we as we as we go through these things, and at the end of it, then there's a place of rest for this. Uh, and uh, uh, it, but it really kind of came to play this past weekend as I had an opportunity to go back over this again and look at it, and it was just a, a resurgence of that yearning that came into my spirit, man, on Saturday and on Sunday with regards to this. But let me go ahead and read the Psalm one nineteen verses eighty one through eighty eight. And then we'll we'll start talking about the details of this. My soul pines for your salvation, for your word, I hope. My eyes pine, or if you will, the King James actually translates this as faint. My heart faints. Uh, and my eyes pine for your for your promise, uh, saying, When will you comfort me? Though I have been like a wineskin dried in smoke, I did not forget your statutes. How many are your servants' days? When will you execute judgment upon my pursuers? Willful sinners dug a pit for me, which is in which is in violation of your Torah. All your commandments are faithful. They pursue me with lies. Help me. They had almost destroyed me on earth, but I did not forsake your precepts. In accordance with your kindness, preserve me, and I will keep the testimony of your mouth. Now, what really began to, to mess with me a lot in this is that this art scroll series in the uh in the uh the 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 version of the application does have slightly different words than the Tahalim does. Um again, those of you that that use this, that this is a great resource. It's the uh, art scroll series Schottenstein edition of the Tahalim. The Tahalim is the Psalms. And so it's just the Psalms in a single book. And that's uh, which is the uh, this is the, the the when you try to find Hebrew writing, you're going to usually find things like this in separate books, and the Psalms being one of them. And I love this because in the in the Tehillim, the written book, it says, "Yearn for your salvation, does my soul? For your word, I hope. Yearn, do my eyes, for your promise, saying, When will you comfort me?" And the moment that I heard those things, it began, I was like, yes, that is exactly what's going on. I'm yearning for this place where I know, Father, that you're carrying me from, if you will, one dimension into a whole new dimension. You see, every time there's been a time where things have gotten a little quiet or uh, the Father allows me that opportunity to be able to spend time with the word that he's already spoken over me, then I'm able to move from one dimension into another. I'm 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 really being changed. I'm from line upon line and precept upon precept. I'm being changed from glory to glory to glory. And this new dimension, there's a process of, if you will, letting go of the old dimension 
or allowing those things that that were a part of that old dimension to be a foundation, but to move upon something new, to stand upon another place of something new. I remember years ago when uh, oh, I believe it was Teresa Bowen began to, which is uh, one of the pastors of, of Gates of Zion, uh, when when uh, we were in a service one time, she began to talk about the door, the the uh, the door in the floor, and that the 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 ceiling was there. In the ceiling, there was a door, and that door, that ceiling became floor. I hope I'm. I hope you guys are understanding me. It was almost as if <laughs> I remember one time where the Lord took me through this, and uh, I was in the treasury rooms of heaven, and He put a seat down there, and uh, I was meditating on on those things that I was seeing in the treasury room. And I heard him say, I heard him say, look up. And when I looked up, there was this beautiful open door above me and I could see the stars through the, uh, on the other side of, of this door. And there was this, there's this place where inside of me, I began to desire to go through that door. Even then this, even though this door was the ceiling of where I was right now, and and so I, I I put my hands up like this, and then I brought them back down, thinking that I was flying. It wasn't until later that the Lord revealed to me what had actually happened. I thought I was flying upward because I felt myself catapult through that door in the ceiling above me, and I went into a whole new place in the Lord. And but what what He showed me a little bit later was that I reached my hands up, I grabbed a hold of the doorposts, and I pulled that door down and i came up through to where my the ceiling of what was above me before was now the floor of where i was but yet in the same breath i was i was kind of hanging out in the middle of the cosmos this is one of the few times that i've ever been the father's ever taken me out into the cosmos like this but the only thing that i could describe with what i was seeing was the absolute beauty of the cosmos itself. And there came this place of, of, of a unity or a union that I was feeling with everything in creation. And, and, I, and I knew that the father was taking me to the place where, where he was showing me that everything in creation is connected, everything in creation. And uh, so uh, I, I began to also feel his peace in a whole new level, in a whole new way. And it just, it really just, just affected me heavy because I walked into a new place of peace that I hadn't really known before. Although I thought I had known his peace, this peace was much deeper, much. It, it kind of goes along with what I've been talking about before. It, it was during this time that I realized, you know what, I'm going to grab a hold of this peace and I'm not going to let go, just like I did with this goodness. Father, I want to grab hold of your peace and your goodness, and I will not let go. And so I began to see the this beauty in, in this. And so there was a yearning and this pining for this place of, of, of his heart and to be in the, and his salvation, if you will. Because when we when we think about his salvation, we think about that place of making it through the issues, right? making it past those issues that we may be having. And so the scripture begins with, my heart yearns, my soul pines for your salvation. Now, the King James Version actually translates that as faint. 
Now, I find this very, very interesting because I want to point I want to point something out with regards to this, because the King James says faint. And, and when you look at that in the Strong's Concordance, it actually means to accomplish, to cease, to consume, end, fail, finish, to be complete. So it talks about maybe the, the finishing of something, or if you will, especially when you look at it from the perspective of the word faint, it's like, I'm give out. I don't know that I can do anymore. Does that make sense? Because when you when your soul begins to faint, it's like, well, I've done all that I could possibly think to do. And I just I give up. I give up. I can't do it anymore. And I find it interesting that the King James uses the word faint there. But in the Tehillim, it uses the word yearn. Now, when you look at the... Uh, the the Hebrew in this it's the 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 Hebrew word kalta and uh, kalta is a kaf lamid te, uh, tav and hey and it begins to speak about this place of kaf remember the mirror the the or the palm of the hand and how we we become what we behold so as we look into the word of the Father then we are becoming what we see. Well, Lamed, Lamed is that learning and understanding. Remember, I talked about that a few minutes ago. I don't want to just know something. I want to understand. So this Hebrew word for yearn slash faint, because it's translated to both, both ways, talks about a seeing through the eyes of the Father and the way we see who he is, the way we see who we are in him and who he is in us comes with the Lama. It comes at that place of learning his word, that place of the great shepherd. You know what? One of the things about the living letter Lama is it's like a shepherd's hook. So it's that place of correction. It's the place of as we dig into his word, we begin to see those places where, okay, maybe we could see things a little bit differently. You see, oh, you see, I, one of the things that that I have discovered as I've as Father has taken me through the the Hebrew living letters and into the Word has to do with just that we cannot take things as just face value. One of the problems with the Western Church is that we have taken things for far too long at just plain and simple face value. This means this. Well, I'm about to show you where this doesn't always mean this. And there is another way to look and see that. You see, Father is calling us to the place of looking beyond, looking past, not seeing those things that are right in front of our, our face, but to look past those things. Father, should I? Okay. All right. There is a concept I wish I could get into real in, in, in depth, but I'm not going to be able to. But I, I do want to talk about a little bit. There's a there's a there's a beautiful description of the word of the Lord being like black fire and white fire. What do I mean by that? Well, if you take a pen on a piece of paper and you begin to write down the words, the words that are written on that, let's just say it's a black ink pen for sake of argument. You know, I know we could you could argue, well, it could be another color pen. I don't want to get into those arguments. I just want to go straight to this. So let's say it's a black inked pen. So the letter itself is black on this white piece of paper. And so immediately you begin to see what I'm talking about when I begin to talk about black fire versus white fire. Well, 
as you write that word, you see in Hebrew, there's a there's a perspective that we can take that not only what is written is important. It actually goes on to say this. Listen carefully. That the parchment, that that it's written on, is a higher form of Torah than the actual letters themselves. In other words, there's some there's a mystery hidden in the paper itself. Listen carefully to me. Okay. That means that when you look at a Hebrew living letter and the way that it's shaped, the white space, the negative space, the, the, the part that's surrounding the letter, there can be things hidden inside of them. Just like the, the place where the living letter the living letter pay actually has a bait hidden inside of it. The Aleph has a bait hidden inside of it. Several of the letters have other letters that when you look at the white paper, it shows something more than what you would see if all you looked at was just the black letter. Are you following me here? So there's this, and that's what I'm about ready to take you into with this one. And so bearing that in mind, when, when, uh, with this word faint versus the, versus the word uh, yearn, faint that's in the King James Version and the yearn, I began, to, I began to ask the father about this. And I said, Father, why is it two totally separate you know, words that have been used to translate this? And of course, we, we look in the Tahalim here and we see the word pine. Well, pine and yearn are very similar. So I, I'm good with that. But faint with them. And well, there's a, another concept in Hebraic thought that talks about cause and effect. And cause and effect means when you do something, there's going to be an effect of what happens. Well, depending upon you what the way that you look at it, those of you that are in our class and those of you that are not, uh, I'm, I'm going I'm to use two questions that are, are prevalent in all of our classes. I almost talk about them at least once during every class that we, we have. And those are two questions that have messed with me more than anything. And those two questions are, what do you see and how do you see it? And and the Lord was taking me through through that. What do you what am I what am I seeing here with this particular word? Because the kaf and lamed, kaf being the, the palm of the hand, lamed being the learning and understanding, tav means the completion of something. All right, because this 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 word has uh four letters: kaf, lamed, tav. It means the completion of something, the finishing of something, or the fullness of something. But the last letter, the living letter hey, at the end of kalta. Uh, is speaks of and of course makes this particular word feminine because hay is a if you will it's a giving birth it not only means breath but it speaks of giving birth and so hay changes this into bringing the fullness of what you see in the word as the lord teaches you he is showing you the fullness of who you are and he's making that tangible in the earth okay so what I did was I just took the living letters and I gave you a whole new definition of that that word for faint or yearn. Again, where do we why is it faint versus yearn here? Well, I think about it. Well, if if I see that difficulties as being just that as difficulties and I'm trying to trudge through to find an answer for something where where I'm trying to use my own strength, my own thoughts and that sort of thing to try to to get them done. Before long, it's going to take me to a place where I'm going to faint. 
I'm gonna, I, I can't do it. I can't understand this on my own. But Father, because of your word, because of what your word has shown me, then I don't see it as a problem. I don't see it as a difficulty. I don't see these, place, uh, these places of quietness as being a negative. I see these places of quietness as a way of finding the treasures that you hid in that time when you were pouring out all of the treasure upon me. And I'm still digging true to trying to find all the deep treasure hidden there. So instead of me looking at it as a trouble, and I've used this before in another, in another, uh, in another perspective, but the same thing's true even right here. Where instead, in, in, instead of, of of giving up or and, and not not seeing seeing it from the the flesh perspective and fainting, no, instead I yearn to dig deeper into those things that you showed me during that time. I yearn to allow that to be a part of who I am. So now you see the difference as to why once translated faint and once translated yearn, both of them are a result of the action, the cause of there being a difficulty. But I made the choice as to which way that I saw it. What do I see and how do I see it? I chose instead of looking at it as a problem to look at it as a treasure and to look at it as a place of me digging and finding that treasure and finding the not only just the treasure itself, but finding out about each and every piece of treasure that the Father hid in the midst of this quiet time. So that's where I'm coming at. That's what his, my soul pines for your salvation. My soul yearns for that place as I begin to dig into your treasure and find the depth of what you're saying here. For your word, I hope. In your word, I hope. Yes, because I know your word has treasure hidden there for me. And it's the it's the glory of God to conceal a matter and the glory of kings to search it out. We are his kings. We He's given us this place for us to be able to search it out. Oh, you see what I'm saying here today? My, uh, my eyes pine for your promise saying, when will you comfort me? I love this word comfort here. Uh, I remember there's a place in uh, another place, I believe in Isaiah, where the, the scripture talks about, and the Lord comforted Zion. Now, the word Naham right there is beautiful because Naham speaks about this place of, of really, when you dig into it from the Strong's Concordance and find out what the, the, the literal is, it means to sigh. So it's like, but again, remember there's hidden stuff. You know what? There's hidden stuff in there. And I got to I got to thinking about this. And just like that word for, for yearn, just like that word for, for faint that I got done talking about just a moment ago, I did the same thing with this nacham. And I began to see this. I I heard, I remember when I was a kid growing up, and especially my mom, who had already told me a thousand times what to do and how to do it. And then I didn't do what she wanted me to do, that she would she would come to me, Daniel, I'm here. And and so, you know, and, and it's funny because that's exactly what I heard the Lord say in, 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 in many cases, you know, all right, that, that was good. You you at least did what I asked you to do or tried to do what I asked you to do, wasn't quite the way that I asked you to do it. Uh, but let me teach you. So 
come here. Let's 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 go at this again. And we used to call it going around the mountain again, you know, and and of course, I've gotten tired of that. I've, I've gotten tired of going around the mountain over and over and over again. And I don't really like hearing those kind of sighs. But truth be told, that is a description of this word Nachum right here, where it talks about uh, when will you comfort me? Well, sometimes maybe the Lord's going, okay, let's try this again. Or sometimes he's going, and he's got that big smile on his face. Both of them, you know what, truth be told, both of them, he has a smile on his face. You know, because in the first one, the, the that first sigh like that, it's it's not necessarily a bad thing. Because it could be just plain and simply immaturity. And because if it's not immaturity, then it's rebellion, and that's another problem. So if I hear him go, then at least I know that it's immaturity on my part. And he's saying, okay, let's try this again. Let's let's let's, let's do this again. You know, you're still you're learning, you're learning, and I'm and I'm thankful for that. But let's go back at this again. So you comfort me. When will you comfort me? I want to hear that deep breath as you begin to blow your breath into me. Because as you blow your breath into me, it revives me. It lifts me up. It brings me about a revelation. It brings about a place of me seeing where I could have done better before or where I had done exactly what you wanted me to do. And there was this beautiful place of peace. And you guys know what I'm talking about. I know that I know everyone I I've been there and I feel like everyone else has been there as well. You, you probably know what I mean. All I can talk about is myself though in right now. Though I have been like a wineskin dried in smoke, I did not forget your statutes. Now, before I go into that, I knew there was something I was missing. Because there was something that the Lord spoke to me about that. My eyes pined for your promise, saying, when will you comfort me? You see, there's something kind of unusual in that word, that word promise there. And, and it really jumped out at me as I was, as I was uh, meditating over this. The promises there is the Hebrew word, uh, Amara, and it's Aleph, Mem, Resh, and Hey. And as we look at this, the, the the root word here is Amar, and it speaks about the place of the Word of Yahweh and the and the Torah. So when he's talking about his promises, we look at the place where his promises are his Word. When 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 the, when the Lord gives us His Word, He is giving us the fullness of his promises. And I began to dig into this a little bit. I began to, to meditate on it because I noticed something that, that kind of jumped out at me. And believe it or not, that that this doesn't change the the, the root of this. I know the, the end of Revelations talks about if you take away from or add to anything in this book, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't want to go into that detail. But one of the beautiful expressions in Hebrew is that I can look at a Hebrew word and 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 be able to, if you will, pull letters in and out that have the same letters or similar that allows me to, to understand something a little bit deeper without changing the initial 
definition. So the word Amar speaks about this place of really it being the word of, of God. So Aleph being the, the representation of the father himself. You see, to me, Aleph is, is Yahweh, is yod heh vav Mem speaks about the place of the, 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 the place where in him I live and move and have my being. It's the place of his, his treasury rooms. It's the place of, you know, just like the word in him I live and move and have my being, you know, where everything that I need is found inside of the water of my father. And it's in him that I swim. Because I love this because the living letter Nun, which is the next living letter after Mem in the Hebrew Aleph Bet, uh, means fish. And I remember the day that I saw the connection there and I was like, why didn't I see this before? Fish, water, duh. You know, if I'm and fish, all now none also means fit. It means fish, but it also means son, king, heir, and priest. So I, as a son, as a king, as an heir and a priest of the Lord, am also a fish swimming in the waters of my father. You get the picture now? So uh, Amar here begins to speak about the place of that fullness of those treasures hidden inside of that. Resh is a letter that speaks about top or beginning, but it also, to me, is like a veil. And so when, when, his, when his promises are in his scripture as the word of Yahweh, there's a place of revelation as we begin to tear back the veil of the ways that we have always seen things, we tear back that veil to see the full truth of what the Father is showing us about his promises. Now, that's key to where I'm going with this, because the Hebrew word amar, aleph mem resh, speaks about that place of us having a veil there, but we, as the Father begins to reveal those things to us, he, he we, we together pull back that veil. And, and so it then becomes what? Truth. You see, the Hebrew word for truth is emet, aleph, mem, tav. You following me here? So when I see this place of his promises, I'm seeing this place where he takes me in the depth of the treasure that he had hidden in there for me, because what I was doing by digging in that treasure was him and I together were pulling back those veils to do what? To find the truth of the nugget of the treasure. I meant to talk about that just a moment ago before I started going to the next thing, but I'm glad I went back to it. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for bringing me back to that, because it's it's a beautiful description of exactly what you're saying, because that treasure is his truth. Though I have been like a wineskin dried in a spoke, I did not forget your statutes. Now, this one really messed with me a little bit because, first off, you know, whenever there is a, a metaphor used in Scripture, sometimes there's a, a place of, of trying to figure out, well, what does this metaphor mean? How does it, how is it seen, especially in the modern days? Because with, uh, with a, a Jew during the time, with an Israelite during the time of the uh, where this was written, and during the the early times uh, when David was writing these, it was it was something that was obvious because it was something that they did on a regular basis. But if you stop to think about it, it it, it begins to make sense because 
if if you've got a wine skin that's that's exposed to heat and as a result smoke then of course the the longer it sits within this heat and this smoke what's going to happen is that the the wine skin itself that has been been flat been been pliable now suddenly becomes hard it becomes something that's very difficult to be able to move or break or well, actually very easy to break because it's 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 become stiff it's become hardened and and david is talking about like about that just like that he begins to correlate himself with that wineskin because of all the troubles he's gone through because of the difficulties he feels like he has been like a dry skin a wineskin that's been been dried in smoke where his his skin his 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 flesh if you will has become crackled it's become you know where where it's difficult to be able to move or do anything matter of fact if you think about a wineskin from that perspective you know we think about the wineskin you can't pour new wine into old wineskins because they will burst and that's kind of a a picture of what's going on here uh with this anyway but father said this to me uh, a wineskin dried in smoke would make it sooty and dried. This describes the way David felt as he as he stayed in the place of the trauma, the weariness and sorrow of not only his sin, because he had been there had been some things going on about this time, but also his enemies chasing after him. So not only was he was he concerned about the things that he had already done, but now people were were coming after him who were who were wanting to see his downfall, and. Uh, the, this begins to speak about uh, the smoke itself is the Hebrew word katar. And Father began to show me it from another perspective, because although David was crying out from the perspective of being dried up and just feeling like, you know, giving up, just like the beginning of this psalm talks about, where it's, you know, he's, he's talking about my, whole, my soul faints for your, uh, for your salvation. You know, he he's he's feeling that uh that the word smoke there can have more than one perspective that could be seen from. The smoke could dry, but remember where else we see the smoke. Whenever the sacrifice is laid on the altar, there is a smoke that arises out of the altar that is a that is a, a perfume, that is a an incense to the nostrils of the Lord. So the smoke of flesh being dried up and shriveled uh, is kind of like, by the way that I see it, uh, the spirit man being lifted up as smoke. uh, There's two ways that we can see it, being shriveled up or as the spirit man being lifted up as the smoke, ascending as a living sacrifice to the Father. This smoke being our prayers and our communion with him. So it doesn't always have to have a negative aspect to it. There can be other ways that we can see that. And 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 that's that's kind of what David was going through. Although as we go on you'll see that he was very much talking about his flesh here. Because it goes on to say uh how many are your servants days when will you execute judgment upon my pursuers? Willful, willful sinners dug pits for me, which is in violation of your Torah. He began to think about and seeing 
these, these difficulties. Give me just a second, y'all. You know, matter of fact, uh, earlier on, earlier on, he begins to speak about this. Yearn for your salvation, does my soul, for your word, I hope. And I spoke about that. And I meant to mention about the the, the Hebrew word uh, there for soul that would make this a little bit more understandable. The Hebrew word for soul there is the Hebrew word nefesh. Nefesh is the, the beautiful way of describing it is as just like we've been talking about right now, the place where our the way that we see things in the flesh of our own soul. In other words, the, the things that we deal with on a daily basis here on the earth. But you see in Hebrew, there are actually five different words that can be translated as the word soul. Nefesh, Ruach, Neshima, Chaya, and Yachida. Each one of those describe a slightly different perspective of, of, of the soul. As a matter of fact, it's actually known as the five, uh, it's known as the five levels of souls. I'd rather use the term the five expressions of souls. And so the Hebrew word nefesh there is the bottom one. It's the, if you will, the animal instinct, that, that place of where, where, where our bodies have needs here on the earth. We have needs that that you know to be able to have food, to have shelter, and to be taken care of, have clothes on our back, and that sort of things. And when David is crying out for his for the the salvation of his word, he's talking about that place of those day to day needs that are that he's seeing right then and there on the earth. Now that begins to express that he that he's really focused on the the same thing that many of us are focused on. You know, uh, I, there's been time that through this time that I was telling you, as the Lord carries me from one dimension into another, that uh, you're kind of hearing the aspect of of me crying out about, I know where the Father is leading me, but there are days that I get to thinking about, well, what about? Well, what about? <laughs> there, there, there are moments when these thoughts will come to my mind, and and I'll, I'll have to pay attention to them for just a moment. And if I hear the spirit of the Lord say, nope, I don't want you to dwell on that, I'll turn away and go somewhere else. And sometimes he wants me to spend time. And so I'll feel his peace on me thinking about those things because they're, they're needs that I'm going through right at this moment. And I know a lot of us are dealing with, with things, especially with that. Well, never mind. I don't even want to talk about that. You know what I'm talking about. And it may be something different for each and every one of us. But David is talking about that base part of that. And so as he goes on and he continues to talk about how many are your servants' days? How long am I going to have to go through this? When will you execute judgment on my pursuers? When are you going to take care of these folks that are coming against me? Because they are they have dug pits for me. And, and it's in violation of your Torah. Now, wait a minute. That right there is a key to who these people are that are digging the pits. It is. Because he's talking about those that are part of the Hebrew family, his, his brothers and sisters, the Israelites themselves, the Jews themselves coming against and digging pits for him to fall into. And that's what he's expecting. He's, he's expressing that place of, of 
if you will, Christian folk who are digging these pits. And the and the thing and the pits that they're digging is in violation of your Torah. That's not the heart of the of what you're teaching us. Remember the Hebrew word Torah is the Hebrew word is 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 really uh, translated as teaching. Its best way is is teaching. So you're teaching, Lord. Others have have foregone the the things that you're teaching out of your word, and they're digging these pits for me. How long is all of this going to happen? How long am I going to have to deal with this? But David begins to say this. All your commandments are faithful. All of your words, all of your mitzvot are faithful. All of your promises, those things that you've called us, they are faithful. Even though they pursue me with lies, help me, Lord, because I know your word is faithful. They had almost destroyed me on earth. But I did not forsake your precepts. I chose to look past all those things that others were trying to do me, do to me. And in accordance with your kindness, preserve me, and I will keep the testimony of your mouth. In accordance with your chesed, that word kindness there is also the same Hebrew word that is used for mercy, chesed. And so it speaks about your mercy preserves me. Your kindness preserves me. It, it, it keeps me through the midst of all this, even though they're trying to do this. And I will keep the testimony of your mouth. Now, I love that because at the very finishing of this, of the eight verses that we've been talking about right here, David comes back to the place of saying, you know what? I recognize that even though I may be struggling with this, these things right now, and in my flesh, I'm crying out, my nephesh, I'm crying out for the, 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 the salvation of my, my flesh, my, my physical flesh. My spirit man is, is, is in one place, and I'm rising up to, to, to be that place where I'm, I'm connected with you, but my flesh is crying out because I'm seeing difficulty here in this place where you've placed me here on this earth, and I'm walking through these difficulties. But I know that your word will bring me to the place where the, the, that I will uh, that your word will be a testimony in me. In other words, the words that you have spoken over me will become tangible in the earth. And between your word and the tangibility of that word being manifested in my life, it will witness together with you in saying that you are my God, and I will stand in this place, no matter what's going on, I will stand in this place of being connected with you. You see, David's going through a lot of difficulty here, and he's really beginning to, to cry out. But at the very end of this, where the living letter cough is expressing itself in these, these eight verses, he really now begins that last verse. He says, now I see, because the testimony of who you are in me is that I am beginning to look just like you. I'm beginning to act just like you. I'm beginning to be just like my big brother, Yeshua, who said, I only do what I see the Father do. And Father, as I see those things that you do, I choose to do the same. And I choose to do those things that I see the Father do. You see, in this place of what do you see and how do you see it, the Lord gave me this. 
In the tent of oppression, I see my flesh, my nephesh, being shriveled and dried. I see myself becoming useless. But that's me looking at the perspective of my flesh. But listen, and that's in the tent of oppression. You see, the smoke was found inside of the tent. So what do I see about what tent I'm in? What tent do I choose to be in? Because in that tent of oppression, I see my flesh being shriveled up and dried. I see myself become useless. However, in the tent of meeting, in the tent of communion, in the tent of being one with you, Father, I see my flesh becoming, I see my flesh, listen carefully, becoming dried and useless. This fleshly part of me, that's not necessary anymore anyway. I see, but I see my spirit rise as the smoke in worship to the Lord, and I am strengthened. You see, I'm I'm letting go of this flesh. I'm letting go of this outer thing where, where I know that the Father is going to take care of me in every situation. And my spirit man is now becoming the 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 forefront of 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 the way that I'm seen here in the earth. This is spread by the expression of my father here in the earth. Do you see what I'm saying? In other words, we've talked about it for years where we talked about how the flesh being the main part if if if, our, if we're flesh focused, then then we're going to always be be dealing with things about that we need to be able to to take care of the flesh. But when we're spirit-minded, when we're when our heart is turned towards the spirit, and that's what I see because in the tent of meeting, in the tent of meeting, then I am letting go of my flesh. Y'all heard me say this before, and I love the expression of this. It I call it renting the veil of my flesh. In Hebrew, it talks about this. It says, therefore, brethren, we have boldness to enter into the holy of holies by a new and living way through the sacrifice of Yeshua. That is to say, that the, the, this new and living way that we can go through through to him is through the veil of his flesh. And, he, and that's what he's talking about. When Yeshua died on the cross, it was his flesh that was rent in two. And at the same time, the, the, the veil in the temple as an outward expression of that was rent in two. Well, I crucify myself daily. Each one of us are crucifying ourselves daily. And in that place, we rent the veil of our flesh. I love doing this because it's like Superman. It's like pulling back the shirt of Superman. And it's like going, opening up that place where, where the light of the Father is now bursting forth out of the place of, of our hearts. And it's his pure light. It's not the S of Superman. Although, although yes, in, in, a, in many ways, I love the expression of that too. The it's the light of my father coming out from the, the from the veil of my flesh because my flesh has been rent in two. And that happens in the tent of meeting, that tent of me and the father spending time in communion and connection with him. There's the closeness that we have here. And, and he's renting the veil of my flesh. And in that place, my spirit rises as the smoke in worship to the Lord. And I'm strengthened in him. So, Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for this word. I thank you for the expression that you've walked us through. I know that 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 that, that many times with these particular this particular psalm today seemed as if it was is looking at those those kind of negative places, but that's okay. Sometimes we have to take the time to look at those things, the difficulties that we've had, and choose to look at them from a different perspective. Choose to look at them as in the place of of us beginning to learn and understand 
not just with the knowledge of knowing something, but an understanding about how that changes us. Be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds, Father, that, that in this place of understanding, you renew our minds to allow us to see something different, to allow us to see things that are hidden beyond your word, that are hidden beyond just the black letter of the law written on a piece of paper, that, Father, we can see those hidden things the deep things, because why? We know the sound of your voice. We know who you are. And in that place where we hear the sound of your voice, we go towards, we see, we we learn, we understand, and we become the expression of who you are in us and who we are in you. We become your light that is set up on a hill, just like a city that is set up on a hill that cannot be in, and that all those who are around, even in this place of darkness and deep darkness that may cover the earth, we are an expression and conduit of your light here on the earth. You know, I want to wrap it up with this. This week, it's uh, in in the Torah portion for this week, I find it very interesting because the Torah portion for this week begins to talk about Deuteronomy 28, and it's speaking of that that place of the blessings and the cursings. You remember we you've many times you've you've seen this before, and uh, talking about the blessings if you do this, if you and so on. I'm trying to hold on just a second. I'm trying to find something real quick. Because I want to, sh- I really want to share this with you. But one of the things that I I discovered as I was looking through the Torah portion this week, it's a uh, the Torah portion this week is called uh, Ki Tavo, and it literally means Ki Tavo is uh, is the the first part of Deuteronomy uh, twenty six verse one. But it goes, the, 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 the Torah portion this week goes all the way from Deuteronomy 26, verse 1, to Deuteronomy 29, verse 8, which includes Deuteronomy 28. Uh, and the first words of Deuteronomy 26, verse 1 says, when you come in. And so kitavo is just that, when you come in. And uh, as I was looking through this, there was something that began to jump out at me because uh, I had I had read through the Deuteronomy 28 before about the blessings and the curses, but I have to go back and think about, well, how does that fit with the rest of his word? And I remember a scripture that talks about this. I have put before you blessings and cursings, life and death. Therefore, choose life. So even though there's an option with to which way we should go, believe it or not, the Lord gives us a cheat. <laughs> right in the middle of that scripture and saying, I'm telling you which one to choose, choose life, choose this aspect of this. And so this, this whole, this whole uh, Torah, the, the, the Torah portion for this week's speaks about the places of the blessings and curses, as well as the offerings of the first fruits and the tithes and so on. But in the, in, when looking at it from the, from the Jewish perspective, there's, there's more than just the Torah portion for the week. And I love this because 
they look at they look at different aspects. There's something else called the half Torah, and half Torah is looking at it from the perspective of the prophets. And so in this case, he's he's talking about the blessings and curses through Deuteronomy through Deuteronomy 20, 26 through verse twenty or um, there goes my tongue again. <laughs> Deuteronomy twenty six to Deuteronomy twenty nine. Uh, and speaks about the blessings of the curses. But when we look at the half Torah for this for this uh, week, would you believe what the half Torah is for this week? Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. For, hold, for behold, darkness shall cover the earth, and thick darkness the peoples, but the Lord will rise upon you, and his glory will be seen upon you. And nations will come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. Lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. Your sons shall come from afar, and your daughters shall be carried on the hip. Then you shall see and be radiant. Your heart shall thrill and exult because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you. The wealth of the nations shall come to you. A multitude of camels shall cover you. The young camels of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come. They shall bring gold and frankincense and shall bring good news and, good news and praises of the Lord. And it goes on from there. So, I love this because as we were talking about this difficulty, even in, in this living letter cough that we were going through this week, the Torah portion and the half Torah actually went right along with this. So just as I was reading just a moment ago, as we finish this up today, arise, shine, for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. This is the place where we are his light in the earth, right here and right now. Be that light. Blessings and shalom to, the, to all of you that are on the video. If you would like to be a part of these classes, we have these every Wednesday at 11 uh, a.m. Eastern Standard Time. We also do an engagement time. We're about ready to go into an engagement time and where we spend some time being able to talk with one another about this. Those are not recorded. So if you want to be a part of that, please join us during those times and we will see you on Wednesdays at 11. If not, we the, the videos will be in YouTube. This one will be loaded up very soon. Uh, but I want to I, I send my blessings and shalom to you and arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon you.